Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another Coffee Talk podcast episode. Today we're going to be talking about something that I feel like has been infused in a lot of my content over the last few years without really knowing it, and that is emotional health. This is a new concept that I've introduced into my own life. I've always thought about mental health or physical health, but I've never really thought about emotional health yet Our emotions are such a big part of our day-to-day living. That's not to say that our emotions should run our lives per se, but I think that emotions are really, really good information, really important information that we can use. And when we start to take into account our emotional health, I think that it can actually better our quality of life. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'm going to leave you guys with a quote as per usual. This one comes in from Jess C. Scott that says, when our emotional health is in a bad state, so is our level of self-esteem. We have to slow down and deal with what is troubling us so that we can enjoy the simple joy of being happy and at peace with ourselves. Hey guys, what's up? And welcome back to another Coffee Talk podcast episode. Today we're going to be doing a decaf brew, which is all things health, wellness, and the environment. Last decaf brew we did was why we should care about the environment. And today's decaf brew is how to be emotionally healthy. So this was a concept that was recently introduced to me. I had never really looked at emotions as something that could be either healthy or unhealthy. And it's actually not what it kind of sounds like, which that some emotions are healthy to feel and others aren't healthy to feel. It's actually more so where we stand in our health bar in terms of dealing with our emotions. So if you were to think of us like Sims, you know how on the Sims there was always like a hunger bar and like a bathroom bar, a cleanliness bar, a bar for atmosphere, which I always found really fun and interesting. It's almost like we have a bar for emotional health. So what it actually means to have that bar fulfilled, to be in full emotional health, is basically having the ability to confront and face your emotions, to face your thoughts, your feelings, regardless of if they are welcome or are on the more challenging side. Basically, our emotional health relies on how we think, how we feel, and how we behave, so the actions we take. Just because somebody is emotionally healthy doesn't mean that they're happy all the time, and that's not what we mean by having that Sims bar fully fulfilled. It doesn't mean if you're emotionally happy that you're always positive, that you're always just looking on the bright side of life, you know, just always just skipping down streets and like putting pixie dust everywhere. What it actually means is even being able to be, like people that pe- people can have mental health issues and still be emotionally healthy. People can still be going through a hard time and still be emotionally healthy, because the component it's really just being able to face even the emotions that are really difficult and being able to basically come to terms with our reality and where we sit and how it's affecting us without getting too attached or latched into it. Or on the flip side, completely numbing it out. It's actually being proven, like scientifically proven, that negative emotions and poorly managed negative emotions are actually unhealthy for us. The stress that we tend to feel can actually have a negative impact on our physical health. Negative emotions and chronically chronic feelings of hopelessness and helplessness can start to increase our stress, can mess with our sleep cycles, can start to actually put us out of balance hormonally, which then actually causes our brain to produce less of the chemicals that make us feel happy. And on top of that, we'll go as far as even damaging our immune systems. So it is an important thing to talk about. Our emotional health is just as important as our physical health and our mental health as well. And again, this doesn't mean that we hyper-focus on only good emotions. It means that we find the capacity and the ability to integrate our emotions or integrate ourselves 
mentally, physically, and spiritually with our actual emotions in order to digest them and stop that energy from getting blocked or stuck in any different ways that it tends to manifest. I feel like we've kind of talked about similar subtopics in the last few coffee talks, like in the last couple of months, but like with the releasing suppressed emotions and the non-attachment, but it's important to talk about these things. It's important to look at emotional health this way because again, it's just like I was just saying, we're integrating all of the important components that basically is required in order for us to show up as our best, healthiest selves. The other thing that can happen when you're actually emotionally unhealthy is that you'll start to neglect your life or neglect taking care of other areas of your life. So just like with anything, you need a balance. So whether you're feeling physically unhealthy, emotionally unhealthy, or mentally unhealthy, any like if those three things don't stay in somewhat of a balance, when you feel emotionally unhealthy, you'll start to then neglect these other areas or hyper-focus on these areas to overcompensate, which again, just puts us in a greater state of imbalance. So in order to be emotionally healthy, we need to be able to be mindful of our emotions. And in order to feel emotionally healthy or to be emotionally healthy, we need to be able to basically find that gap to be able to find the comfort in that gap of affecting our thoughts, our behaviors, and our decisions rather than just reacting based on the emotions that we're feeling. To manage your emotions and then adjust your thoughts, your behaviors, and your decisions in a way that helps you put things back into balance. So basically to be non-reactive just to those emotions. It's like being able to see the information that the emotion is showing you and then being able to take that second to still make an, a mindful decision on how to move forward rather than either suppressing what the information is or that emotion is or reacting to that information and emotion. You know, we're always in a state of flux. So odds are you'll probably go through periods in your life where you are emotionally unhealthy and that's kind of normal, right? Like when you think about, just like we said, those three pillars of physical health, mental health, and emotional health. And yeah, you can even throw in the fourth pillar if you'd like to with spiritual health, that's totally up to you. That one's, I feel like the one that's usually most up to debate. But what I was trying to get at is that you'll probably go through phases of your life where you will notice that you're feeling emotionally unhealthy. And it's not a big deal because we're also going to go through the steps in the second half of today's chat on how you can actually heal your emotional health. But first we need to figure out basically where we sit on the scale. Like where is our Sims bar? How full is it? And I'm going to let you in on some of the signs that you might exhibit if you are feeling emotionally unhealthy. And just like those Sims bars, everything is a scale. So every sign that I tell you, you might have some, you might have one. You might not have any of these signs, meaning you are in a state of great emotional health in your life right now. But again, just know that it doesn't mean that you're like, you know, you're just either emotionally healthy or you're not. We're just gauging how full the bar is. The first sign is if you tend to hold any kind of resentment, specifically towards life or towards a person in general, this can also come out or manifest itself in like being extra critical all the time of either other people or being extra critical of like society, being extra critical, just being kind of feeling just really excessive amounts of negativity that goes as far or as deep as like resentment 
specifically again if you have resentments towards or one specific resentment or thing that you can't let go of in a relationship with somebody else that you just despise or with life like if you think life is unfair all of that falls under this umbrella some other signs of this would be like have you ever have you ever had like a fight with somebody in your head where you're like you might not even know if you're fighting with somebody, but you think you might be fighting with somebody and you're like thinking about what they're probably thinking about you when they're probably not thinking about you at all. And then you're like, yeah, well, you know what I would say to that? I would be like, you know what? You're being unfair. And then all of a sudden you're having a fight in your head with somebody. Or the other example would be like, have you ever in the middle of the night, you think of something that you should have said in a scenario or a situation that you were in where you felt wronged and you just like, you can't let it go. That is usually a sign or a manifestation of feeling emotionally unhealthy. Other little actions or decisions or behaviors that fall under this exact sign would also be giving your attention and your focus to people that you feel are toxic. And it's kind of weird if you've ever done this before or if you know somebody that's done this before like you might give a lot to other people but you tend to surround yourself with energy vampires people that basically suck on your energy but don't really give you anything in return people that are really toxic for you if you continue to like actively choose to seek out these types of people or keep these people in your life it could be a sign that your emotional health it needs some tending to. So I actually just recently did a coffee brew that's all about why we tend to like the bad babes, like the bad guys and the bad gals. Um, so I highly suggest watching that if you resonate with this because I guess you can kind of maybe not put it all into the same category, but if you just tend to go for people that don't treat you with the respect and the support that you deserve. And then, like I said, not being able to forgive or let go of grudges. Like if you have grudges from when you were little, or if there's somebody that's wronged you, but that has given you a genuine apology and you just can't let it go, it, or on top of that, like not being able to even just let go of life, like not being able to let go of past chapters and move on with your life. Like if you're not able to, a good example is if you know somebody that's ever been broken up with, never moves on. Years go by and they're still just latched on to every last bit of pain and hurt. Just not being able to actually let go of, of what is no longer in your life, what is no longer serving you, let go of maybe past chapters, past realities, past truths, past things that used to give you a sense of identity and move on with your life and move on with just new life experience. So those are all of the, I guess like mini manifestations of what would come from not being able to let go of resentment or just let go from life in general. The second sign of perhaps unhealthy emotional or unhealthy emotional Sims bar is self-isolation. And I would say like in my own life, this is probably a weird gray area for me. And this is why I'm saying this is every, Thing we talk about today is a bar it's not a yes or no because I would say that the times that I've actually there are times where I realized I wasn't feeling emotionally healthy because of the excessiveness that I was self-isolating but at the same time I, I get you if you're out there and you're an introvert and you recharge in your own time and space and that's how you process things and especially when things in life kind of maybe kick you down a little bit. If you tend to pull away, I, I do, I get that. So I don't think that's always a sign of feeling emotionally unhealthy, but I do think that when it starts to become excessive, when you start to avoid socializing, when you start to avoid the people that you love, when it 
goes like full-blown one man's land for a long time, that's when it starts to become a sign or a warning sign of feeling emotionally unhealthy. So again, some ways that this can manifest and take this with a grain of salt because like, like I said, this isn't always the case, but like if you live with other people and you find yourself spending way more time in your bedroom or just like constantly retreating to your own space and like never really kind of socializing or spending time with the people that you live with, uh, I guess that's a bit different if you live with roommates that you don't really know very well, but it's just kind of like if you live with your family or some friends, but you, you find yourself going through a phase where you just don't want to be around anybody, that, that can sometimes be uh, a sign. Going even further, if you start saying no to parties or gatherings or social events, especially if they're ones that you would usually be down for or usually want to go to, again, once in a while, not a big deal, but when it's, when you start to notice it happening like a pattern where you haven't gone out and socialized in a long time or gone to a family gathering or gone to, uh, I mean, don't go to parties right now, but you know what I'm saying? If you're not answering your phone, if you're avoiding text messages, if you're just avoiding people, you know what I mean? Like if you just literally have retreated into the deepest depths of yourself. That is one of my favorite places to be, honestly. But at the same time, like everything else in life, it has to come with balance. And if you do that for too long, I wanna say like longer than 72 hours is usually my cap. It's like, if I actually haven't talked to anybody in 72 hours, there's, there's usually something deeper going on. But I get you if you just need a day or two to yourself to kind of zen out. The next sign is when you tend to be extremely reactive in your life to every thought, to every emotion, to every single thing that happens, but specifically to what's happening inside of you. This is one that I would say is probably one of the hardest to master and probably one of the easiest that we all tend to struggle with when our, we're not able to kind of process our emotions very well. And it's usually, I think that this is also because we live in um, basically an era of just like overwhelm. There's always just constant bombardment. We're constantly bombarded with information, with um, just like this, this productivity hamster wheel that the world seems to kind of be on of constantly needing to produce, constantly needing to one up, constantly needing to do more, to be more successful to like brand yourself to to do all the things you know like to be all the lineup of of what people say is basically the carousel of life of like this 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 then you buy the house then you do that then you have the kids then you retire and you go to Italy you know you just like all of that pressure coming down on you it makes sense that we tend to then fall into reactivity to life because a lot of us just need a second to take a breath. But again, even understanding that and becoming aware of that is a sign of your emotional health because that's an emotion that you're experiencing if you feel overreactive to everything because life is overwhelming you. A cold hard truth, which I've, apparently I've been dropping a lot lately in the coffee talks, which I'm not normally, I don't, I'm not a cold hard truth kind of gal. But it's only because I am a cold hard truth kind of gal with myself and the stuff that I'm a cold hard truth with with you means that I found it to be helpful enough that I am willing to be socially awkward when I try and hit something home. So I'm going to try and hit something home and it's the fact that most of our thoughts are meaningless. 
ju I'm just realizing now that when I get that way, when I'm like, ooh, I'm about to step outside my comfort zone, it's only because I don't want to make anybody else feel uncomfortable, so I'm not trying to attack your thoughts, okay? I'm just trying to enlighten us all to the fact that a lot of the things we think about and our thoughts, I mean chicken or egg, but our thoughts usually start to manifest within our feelings, our sensations within and without the body. Um, a lot of the thoughts that we actually think are quite meaningless and don't end up happening and when we become reactive and we let them lead the way rather than stepping back and observing these thoughts, then we are literally reacting to life. We're literally chasing all of our thoughts throughout the day, feeling exhausted even though maybe physically we're not actually exerting ourselves. And what it really is, is it's emotional exhaustion. And I would say that this one even goes as far as obsessing over your insecurities. And this is a, a thing that I used to struggle with. I still find myself sometimes struggling with this, but it's like, it's almost just because it's so, I mean, if you've ever like rewired a part of yourself, then you'll know what I mean in the sense where it's almost just, it feels like it's so instinctual sometimes. Like if I'm out in a, in a group setting and I'm wearing a, a cute outfit that I put some thought into, it's like suddenly I'm like, okay, do people, do, do I look weird? Did I, did I try too hard for this outfit? Am I rocking this? Is it working? Which is normal. And like, it's totally healthy to have a healthy amount of insecurity. But when you start to obsess over your insecurities, when you start to think that everybody sees what you see, or when you're insecurities almost start to inflate in your mind to things that aren't actually in touch with reality. That again is usually a sign of emotional unrest and distress. The fourth sign that I would say is a, a, a representation of feeling emotionally unhealthy is quite exactly the opposite of the last one, which is being overreactive to everything. And it's having zero reaction at all, basically numbing out your emotions and your feelings. And I feel like there's really kind of two ways that we tend to fall, you know? You're either super reactive and super anxious about everything and like super worried and just like feeling to the 10th degree, or the opposite route people tend to take is turning all of it off. And I feel like, again, in my own life, I have gone down both those roads and they usually don't lead anywhere. But the numbing it out, the, the suppression is another sign of not being emotionally healthy, but this one is also the trickiest because I think that this is how a lot of people get by without people recognizing, like the people close to them actually recognizing that something is wrong, that they're actually not feeling their emotions, that they're actually not facing their realities, that they're basically just putting on the I'm fine when you ain't fine. This is when we tend to, and, and we all again have done something or like this. We all fall into all of these criteria because odds are we've probably dabbled in a little bit of all of the energy and activity I'm talking about, but it's like the, the saying you're fine, the kind of putting on the happy face when you're feeling actually really sad, perhaps even denying your challenges and the troubles that are going on in your life. Like if you've just denied that something is wrong, like that elephant in the room that you're just not facing. And what this usually turns into is suppressing, 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 suppressing. And everybody's gonna be different on how long they're able to do that and at what intensity and capacity they're able to actually suppress. And then it usually results in blowing up over things that actually are the small things. So every time something big happens, it's like, don't react, non-reactive, I'm just gonna pretend I don't care. But then you stub your toe or someone cuts you off on the highway or you know, 
just something very small and minuscule happens and it's like you blow up and you just like can't stop the outpour of reaction to this one small thing because of how much suppression is there. So those are some of the ways that that sign can manifest itself. And then the last sign is missing a sense of gratitude. Again, I have experienced this in my own life as well. There's been phases of my life and I'm, I'm gonna, uh, I'm choosing actively not to count the times where I felt like my depression was really taking a hold on me because again, that is something totally deeper and different. But when we're just talking about general emotional health, I've gone through phases of my life where it was hard for me to actually tie the feeling to the conscious knowing because I think that consciously, most of us know that we should be thankful the minute that we wake up, the minute that the ability to even listen to this and the ability to even take a breath, to live another day, to, you know, just so many things in our life. We are so, we're surrounded by so many things to be grateful for. I also know the opposite of this pendulum swing is that we can't be that like becoming unglued in gratitude all the time because like I just said, there's so many things around us to feel gratitude towards that we need to be able to also turn it down and turn the dial down every now and then just to get some things done, you know, to be able to actually live our lives. But it's that inability to connect to true gratitude, to see the things around you and not feel a sense of gratefulness, especially if, and like, it's not necessarily as much about the material things, which yes, you should feel grateful for. It's more so kind of like if you don't feel gratitude for your family or your friends or your dog or your body or like your, your health, your like the, the sky, the sun, the moon, like the basic necessities. If you can't feel gratitude for those basic necessities. And again, just like one of the ways that I feel like this can also manifest. And I feel like this is something I experienced in my teenage, like puberty years was thinking that it's so funny to think about because there's like, clearly I lived a, I lived a full life before I started creating content. So there's phases that you guys never saw me go through, but that I went through and I kind of through a little bit of like an emo phase through puberty where I thought <laughs> it's literally the complete opposite of who I am. But it was basically just that I thought that people that were super bubbly and soft and colorful and loved everything and cried at movies and like all of that, I used to literally think it was fake or I'd use, I would tell myself it was fake. I think I knew it wasn't fake, but I think at the time my reality was that it did seem fake that people that were like, I'm so grateful. It would, I would be like, boo in the background, which is so weird because I'm now that girl that's like, I'm so grateful. But I, at the time I was feeling a little emotionally unhealthy. I was feeling a little emotional that I didn't want to face. And so anybody that exuded that happiness or that sense of gratitude, I think it was a self-defense mechanism because I didn't want to admit that I, I couldn't feel that. And I didn't understand why. And I was too young to understand because I didn't have therapists back then, even though it probably should have, but the school systems fail us, but I'm not going to go there. What I was really feeling was threatened by somebody's ability to feel gratitude because I couldn't for the basic necessities because I, that was, I was an emotionally unwell teenager that needed some guidance. So what would I say if I could go back 
to that version of me? What would I, what tools would I give her to fix her emotional, let's not use the word fix, to heal her emotional health? I'm going to give you guys six different toolkits or exercises or activities that you can come back to anytime you feel your Sims emotional health bar starting to decline and if you want to just fill it back up a little bit. The very first one or the very first practice is cultivating awareness and this is something that you will probably if you haven't already dipped into this it's basically a tool or a muscle really that I believe you strengthen throughout your entire life. It's something that you don't just get it and then you never have to work at it. It's something you actively have to work at almost in every single moment should you choose to live your life with awareness and consciousness. So it's having the ability to, like we were talking about earlier, observe your emotions, having the ability to be aware of yourself and then aware of your emotions and then understand that those are not the same thing, that you are not your emotions. Because the thing is, is that we cannot address what we can't see ourselves. And a lot of the emotional distress that we actually feel, especially if you fall into those, those last two signs where it's like suppression and not being able to tap into gratitude, a lot of that is happening on a subconscious level. There's something blocking us subconsciously sometimes. Other times we might consciously know what is emotionally affecting us. I think it's actually, that's why I love, I love talking about mental health is because a great deal, I would say of the just suffering that I would say I've, I've felt in my life has come from subconscious pain. So I've dealt a lot with the subconscious. The subconscious really intrigues me. Like I just, my heart just fluttered even saying that it's like my subconscious knows and it's like, don't come down here. But it's, I get it. Like I do understand that it's made me realize the importance of self-awareness and self-actualization and being able to identify you as the experiencer or as the observer and then experience and experiencing your thoughts, experiencing your emotions, experiencing your body. That really helps because that's a really good place to start. And again, this is also why I tend to preach meditation and things like that, because that has helped me sharpen that tool to build that muscle especially as somebody who is very emotional. Like I, the minute that I unsuppressed myself, I've pretty much specifically even this year is a perfect example because I've worked through a lot of my deep emotional tension and ties and knots is, and now everything makes me cry. This, this tiniest thing will make me cry right now because I, I feel like I've really just ripped the scab off that. So again, I kind of enjoy when I emote because I, I, it's a healthy way for me to process my emotions and keep my Sims bar full and crying tends to be one of my favorite ways. I know true Pisces and her true nature, just tears, but different people process and emote in different ways. And just being able to be aware of how you feel, be aware of what you're thinking and be aware of how that feeling is expressing itself through you is a really good place to start. And probably I would say one of the most effective tools in today's toolkit. The second Way that you can start to heal your emotional health, especially subconscious emotional health, is to find a better balance in your life. So this comes from being able to balance your work, your rest, and your play. This is really, really important because a lot of the times, and if you're watching or listening today and you're thinking like, wait, I might not be emotionally healthy, take a second to think about where in those three categories you might be feeling 
a little neglected? Like, is your work feeling neglected? Is your rest feeling neglected? Or is your play feeling neglected? And I can understand that, you know, we're all kind of fighting for that balance. I, again, I just think it's very similar to awareness that you don't just get that balance one day and it just stays balanced for the rest of your life. We're constantly dancing with life. We're constantly having to kind of move and adjust as life is moving and adjusting. So it's just, Again, kind of being able to accept that helps because then you'll understand and you won't feel any sense of failure when you're feeling like one of those or maybe even two of those or maybe all three of those are, are feeling out of balance. It's just a normal part of life, but it's a good place again to start to nurture and address and give your attention and energy to and bringing that back up to balance. Like maybe you feel like you need to start honkering down a little bit more at work or maybe you're feeling like you're getting lots of rest, but you can't remember the last time that you barrel laughed like out of your tummy, like so hard it hurts. Or maybe you've been having lots of fun lately and you've been working hard, but your body is exhausted because you have not had the time to de-stress and rest in a while. The third way that you can work on your emotional health, the third tool in today's kit is solo time. And I know that that kind of contradicts the whole self-isolation, but I guess this is going to help fill out that description of self-isolation versus solo time because self-isolation is pulling away from people, whereas solo time is moving in on yourself. And like solo time includes anything that you want it to. Maybe it's working on your hobbies, your interests. Like I said, solo time could even go back to the last tool and be working on work or rest or play, anything like that. It can be reading a book you love, going for a nature walk, um, anything like that. Just spending some solo time, even some solo travel if you can. Another great way is creating the habit of maybe journaling or meditating in the mornings if you're somebody that can't get, like if you live with a family or if you're a mom or whatever and you can't have like days away to go on solo trips and things like that or nature walks because you've got kids to take care of or maybe you just don't have time to do that, then if you can just even make like 10 to 15 minutes of whatever it is you want to do, you can journal, you can meditate, you could literally lay there with your coffee if you like, anything like that on a daily basis. Doing so allows you to connect internally with yourself, to be able to ask yourself to create some space for you and you to be like, how are we? How are we doing? What's going on in life right now? What are we feeling? What are we thinking? Again, this ties back to number one. This is giving yourself the space to have that awareness with yourself. The fourth tool in today's emotional health toolkit is of course, physical health. And that makes sense because just like I was saying earlier that it's all this delicate dance and balance. If we're not feeling physically healthy or mentally healthy, really, it can create a domino effect in the other areas of our life. So if we're not taking care of our bodies, if we're not sleeping enough, if we're not drinking enough water, if we're not eating high quality foods, we're going to feel like crap. And just kind of like that chicken egg situation, we don't know which one of those starts the process, but it doesn't really matter because when our bodies are physically feeling like crap and our hormones go out of whack, our bodies will react. I did not mean for that to rhyme. And of course, when we react, we're going to feel like crap. We're going to feel like shit. And when our bodies feel like crap emotionally, we will likely start to feel like crap. The fifth tool in today's toolkit for emotional health is expressing yourself. And this is an important one. I think that whether or not you consider yourself to be creative, you can literally express your emotions in any way you like. I actually did a full coffee talk on how to train your pain, which really, if you go watch that, you could train any emotion you like with that video. It's all just how to take energy, how to take emotion, turn it into energy, 
and then basically channel that energy somewhere while also processing it and understanding the information it's telling you so that you don't have to repeat it ever again. So especially if you're dealing with negative emotions, if you want to learn how to express it in a way or channel it in a way that you can put it towards a goal or a dream or a hobby, then definitely go check out that coffee talk. But it's pretty much that exact concept that finding a way to express your emotions, you could write, you could you can read, you can cry again. That's, that's expression. Like there's so many different ways that you can express your emotions, but doing so allows them to move through you and it stops that energy from being stuck in you, which again would promote emotional health. I mean, you got to think like energy can't be created or destroyed. So when those emotions show up, we have to move them through us. We have to move them out of us or express them in some way or burn them off in some way. Otherwise they're just going to stay and they're going to stay stuck. And then hence this whole suppression cycle. And then the final toolkit, but definitely not the least important is connecting with other people. We are human beings. We are naturally want human connection. And again, I guess that kind of goes with that whole not self isolating. Definitely take the time you need to, if you're working through some emotional things, but also at the same time, I feel like it's important to connect with other people, to get around people that have that remind us that we're not the only people going through problems or feeling different types of emotions. And not only that, that they've maybe felt similar things. And that's a bonding moment that you can connect with somebody who's felt something similar to you, which is going to raise your emotional health. If we were solo on earth, we would go crazy. We need other people almost to help process and work through and feel emotions with. That's what helps us also reflect new emotions and new experiences back to ourselves, which again can help increase our emotional health and our emotional intelligence. And if you're stunted on how to do this, I mean, you could volunteer, you can join a sports team or a workout class. I know right now with there being social distancing, it's maybe not so easy. So you can maybe even go back into the relationships that are already in your life with friends and family that you're maybe not as close to as you wish you could be and work there. I did a whole coffee talk on loneliness too. I've just been like shouting out all the coffee talks, but we're covering, I mean, we've been on the coffee talks for almost three years now, guys. So we are covering a lot of topics. There's not a lot we haven't chatted about and I'm quite enjoying it. I hope you are too. Um, but if you go watch that, it's basically all about how you can connect to a lot of the relationships still in your life, but also let it be known that there is a Coe's Discord chat. So if you guys want to come hang out there and you just need to talk to some people and feel like you're understood and heard, then hey, come hang out. I usually link them in the description of the YouTube videos, but for today's Coffee Talk podcast, I'll also link it in the description of the actual podcast audio so that you know that no matter what, you got somebody. We got you. We're all in this together and we're all just out here thriving and moving forward and trying to better ourselves and increase all of our Sims bars to max capacity so that we are showing up as our highest, most best selves. So there you guys have it. That is today's coffee talk. I really hope you guys enjoyed. I found this topic really interesting. I loved researching about emotional health. I would love to do a, maybe a different coffee talk a different day on emotional intelligence because I also find that topic really interesting. So let me know if that's something you'd be into. And aside from that, I love you guys all the way to Proxima B and back and I'll talk to all of you guys in the next coffee talk. Bye guys.